From Rivers Barton Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a podcast featuring conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architects Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden visit with Carlos Pozo, a screen printer and musician who works in architecture. Where I had a professor in architecture school who had this quote, uh, knowing is in the making, and he, he quoted it as being from Plato. And then since then, I've never really been able to find that he actually <laughs> said that. He, uh, you know, he would come to, the, to your desk and say, well, what, what's going on? And you would say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then maybe I'll do this. And he was like, well, I need to see it, you know? It's like, you can't just say, I'm gonna try and do this and do this, just do it, mm. uh, make it. And then, uh, and then evaluate the results. Carlos Pozo is an architecture associate from Houston, Texas. Though he spends his days working in an architecture firm, Much of his free time is spent immersed in creative endeavors outside of architecture, namely screen printing and music. Kevin and Joe sat down with Carlos to discuss the influences behind his screen printing, his journey from music critic to musician, and taking action in creative pursuits. Here's Joe, followed by Carlos. Where are you from and how did you get, how did you end up in architecture school and what interested you growing up? Yeah, well I was born in uh, Chile, South America. And uh, my dad wanted to be an architect, and it didn't work out for him. That's the main reason I went to architecture school. But we, I mean, my dad worked for an uh, American oil company, so that's kind of how we got to the United States, basically. Mm-hmm. And I, I grew up all over the place, so I had lots of different uh, experiences to draw on. Like, we lived in the Middle East for a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Boarding school in England for a while. And this is all pretty much before I was, before I was 18. Multiple travels, multiple countries. Once I was 18, I pretty much stayed in the United States. I don't know that I really thought about what I wanted to study when I was a... I mean, I had lots of interests. I used to draw. But having the fact that my dad wanted to be an architect and led me to that, to think about going to architecture school, I pretty much just decided to go to architecture school. But once I got there, I pretty much I can't imagine having done anything else, really. I just, I just fell in love with, uh, with not just architecture, but I guess architecture school, I thought was pretty great. Um, studio, uh, the history classes, uh, I don't know, the, the combination of you know, having to think technically about things and then being creative also, it just kind of meshed really well. With, uh, I mean, I couldn't, I don't think I could have been an artist or an engineer, it just kind of, this is kind of like a combination of, Things. Do you find yourself drawing on those memories from living abroad as a younger, or is there really kind of a distinct line that, like, okay, now I am, now I am here, or yeah. something? I, mean, I think it definitely uh, affects you um, leaving your homeland for somewhere else and not knowing if you're going to go back. I, mean, I think I haven't really uh, tried to figure out what that meant, but when you're seven years old, leaving your homeland to live in another country that you don't know the language or anything, uh, and then having to learn English in basically six months, because the only schools they had were English and we didn't speak English. Um, so I think it's definitely like a shock of, uh, or just always expecting 
expecting the ground to be lifted from under you. I think I feel like I still have that, you know, just an impermanence. How do you, how long have you been screen printing? Uh, first, uh, it's you have a you share a studio at Burning Bones. Yeah, I'm, uh, Burning Bones is a it's a printing studio that also has uh, artist members. So you pay a, a yearly fee and you have access to all the facilities. Um, and it's the only place like that in Houston. And I pretty much started screen printing as soon as I heard that they had opened. Uh, I read an article. I can't even remember where I read about this place where you could go and rent space and learn how to screen print. And I had an interest in screen printing and had tried it at home and uh, got some interesting results, but you really need some more uh, professional equipment. And so I took a class at Burning Bones. This is 2011, I think, so just five years ago. After you take the class, they offered you the opportunity to become a co-op artist member so then you could start doing your own imagery. Because the class, you just learn like the basics uh, Carlos Fernandez is the owner, and he, he just printed one of his images so that I could learn the techniques um, and get things down. But then I already had ideas in my head because I had been working on digital images for a long time, most of them based on architectural images. Um, and so the next time I went back to the studio, I just brought all these images. Uh, some of them Carlos thought were too complex or too detailed, but he's like, you know, I'll give it a shot. And uh, uh, so it was like a learning process to see the limitations of screen printing. And my interest in screen printing, I think the first time I even thought of doing it was when I was in architecture school, I saw some uh, presentation drawings by Arata Isosaki, and he did uh, screen printing um, for, I think it was the Museum of Contemporary Art in San Francisco. And they're screen prints with gradients and blocky colors. And they're like very striking. And the colors are super intense. And that is what the screen printing inks also provide. Um, so that kind of ties it back to architecture. But I always wanted, I had this idea of doing architectural drawings uh, using the screen printing process, using AutoCAD and uh, SketchUp, and also this other software called AllPlan, which is an obsolete software now, pretty much. But in the 90s, um, I learned how to use it, and I still have a copy of it. And so that's, that's how I started the architecture, and it's, I mean, the screen printing. And then at some point, at this, from the studio, they have print shows where you can set up a sale, and I was creating these images, and people were buying them, you know? So it just kind of like steamrolled into selling the work, you know, that's like, I've always gotten, I think it, because it's so abstract um, and colorful, uh, even though I think of it as kind of intense imagery, uh, it's also pretty, and so people buy it as, as decoration. And that's how I got into the, the print shows, like going to markets where you sell your work, um, which can be a little tedious, but uh, you get to meet people and, you know, you get, to talk to people, sometimes they have like interest in mechanical engineering or something, and they find a connection to the, the work, uh, the technical aspect, and also the imagery. What were some of the initial images you brought to have screen printed that that you thought, oh, this would be this would be really cool to do? And then what were there some that really worked well, and others where the limitations really did? Yeah, I think the main limitation was uh, line weight because I was using from using. Uh, AutoCAD to create like uh, splines and polylines. I was printing 
uh, very thin lines. And uh, screen printing is based on a screen with a mesh on it. And then, so it kind of pixelates the image when you print. And if your line is too thin, it's kind of like it just completely disappears. And so I did an experiment. I actually printed out like AutoCAD, the, line, the same way we use line weights at work, um, and did a print. And the thinnest line that wouldn't disappear, it became like pretty much my standard that I use. Um, but I think the first line image that I did just, you know, just didn't did come out. And you just, uh, the thing about screen printing is you burn the screen and then you reclaim it. So you can just keep going. All it does is waste time, really. Um, and so I definitely was doing some experimentation at, at the beginning to get the, the technical aspect down. Um, and then I became obsessed with registration, which is where, like in a, in a comic book, where you have the colors down and then the black line on top, and then the black line perfectly outlines the color. And it's extremely difficult to do. In fact, Carlos will use tricks to try and avoid having to perfectly align colors. But then I took it as a challenge, you know, it's like, let's try and do it, which can be kind of uh, extremely frustrating when it doesn't work out. But when it does work out, you were perfectly aligning colors. Um, mm. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty magical moment, um, but uh, it takes a lot of patience and uh, and failure also to, to get <laughs> it right. Uh, Sounds like trying to find the white buffalo. Um, <laughs> exactly. Of uh, color matching. Right. It's like you hit it just right, and for too many variables, you can't keep track of it. Worked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of the, and also I do very small editions, and then I usually never redo them again. So that's the difference between like digital printing, like people will do a digital image and then print it, and they print 20, and if they want more, you just hit print again, and you have 20 more. But this, uh, if there's four colors, I have to do a screen for every color, and it takes about basically two hours per color to do them. Uh, so once I do an image, I very rarely try and re redo it again. And then people ask me, you know, can you do this bigger? I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's the image, you know. It's, I could scan it and print it for you bigger, but uh, it's just one image, you know. Before screen printing, um, when I first started using computers at work, uh, which was the 90s, um, I was also very interested in graphic design and, uh, and music. So to add to my, my list of things that I, that I do or just like in the mid-90s, I started uh, writing about music because I was so obsessed with it. So, and I had some things published in small magazines that don't even exist anymore. Mostly about electronic music and just like experimental noise music. Um, and then because this is also when the internet was just like blowing up, I started my own like web scene of like music reviews and interviews <coughs> with people that I was interested in that were doing music mostly in Europe, um, mm. and uh, and I even made it as a paper zine like a, a little zine that I would sell. Um, this is like ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, and uh, I would do all the graphics for it, you know. And uh, the graphics, if if I look at them now, you know, they're very similar to what I do with screen prints, except I was using just like. A computer basically like it was like the era of glitch the word glitch was big and so there's all these like graphic digital errors and, and cut up images uh, and the text was you know unreadable sometimes because that was just like 
Because you could. Yeah, because you could do that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, strange fonts and stuff like that. And, uh, and so that's kind of how I got started even doing the music stuff. It was, I started writing and corresponding with, with electronic musicians. And uh, that sort of evolved into suddenly like uh, DJing in strange events and uh, then buying one piece of equipment and then another piece of equipment. And before you know, you're performing <laughs> and mm. just, just kind of snowballed from that. So were you, what came first? Were you writing about music or playing music? Writing first? about music yeah. first. I mean, I had messed around with tape recorders and things like that when I was in high school, like I think everybody kind of does, um, making sound collages. I was always, always interested in I was always a big uh, record geek. I mean, like I would go, when I was in high school, I would pretty much go to the record store every single Saturday um, and just look for new music and the people there would recommend me things. Um, it was always like strange electronic noise music. And so it was definitely first a huge fanboy of obscure music, then writing about it, and then kind of making it. I don't know, I just, I get interested in things. And, the, and then, you know, the fact that I'm in a band that plays songs now is totally off the wall because that wasn't really what I started out to do. It just kind of uh, we were supposed to be doing like soundscapes and but then I, I did buy an electric guitar at some point and so once I had a guitar they were like well, let's just play guitar then and now we have songs that have bass lines a drummer uh, two guitars you know so it's like you never know where things are going to take you most of our songs begin with, uh, with an idea that one of us comes up with but then we send it to the other person and then they add to it and then we get together work out different parts for it. Um, it's definitely uh, very, it starts as a very digital process. We use uh, Ableton to record. He has a copy, I have a copy, and it has a bunch of like built-in instruments in it. Mm. Um, and then it allows you to record um, instruments, like the guitar and the bass on top of that. So usually I send Brian some ideas and then he will add to them. He's much better at just throwing in live bass and live guitar and then we'll come up with an electronic drum beat and then we get together with the live drummer and he'll listen to it and come up with drums and then we take the electronic drum beat out yeah yeah mm. so that's I mean, it's a very uh it's a very interesting collaboration you know to come up with with something that we're all happy with one of the things that, that's happened with the music thing is that i've friends who are in bands who saw my artwork and say, hey, can you do my album cover? So I've done three vinyl releases now. That wow. I've done one album cover and two seven-inch singles. Um, and that's pretty exciting to me because I was such a record geek, you know, to see the, go to a record store and see an album that has your artwork on it. Just hearing you talk about your artwork and screen printing, and um, you know, I might be forcing it a little bit, but like, like just the way the you talk about different colors and line work interacting on your in your artwork and your screen printing. Just even hearing the way that you talk about music, you know, from you know the '90s to even how, you know, 
the evolution of your group now that you're in of these is constant adding you know and what does that do to the image right. you know what does that do to the sound right what does it do to this impression that is you know just coming across to people right and um how a lot of it is I don't know, just the, 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 the interaction of, of all these different elements. Like, I, I, I feel like, like these new members in the group are, are different, like a different color on the same screen print or something that yeah. is bringing out something that was always there before. But, right. you know, like, oh, that is that, I love that new song. It's like, well, it's, it's always been there. But, yeah. you know, this adding this thing and has, you know, brought brought it to a different right. different light or yeah. something yeah i mean you never know how things are going to turn out until you try what yeah um, and i definitely believe that I remember i had a professor in architecture school who had this quote uh knowing is in the making and he he quoted it as being from plato and then since then i've never really been able to find that he actually <laughs> said that but I mean, it was always in like <laughs> said that and uh, anyway well whoever said it uh i think the, the main reason is that I think he, Abraham Lincoln stole it from Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, he would come to the to your desk and say, "Well, what, what's going on?" And he would say, "Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and then maybe I'll do this." And he was like, "Well, I need to see it." You know, that's like you can't just say, "I'm going to try, try and do this and do this. Just do it. Mm. Uh, make it, and then uh, and then evaluate." The results because we had so many people that would just kind of like think about what they would they would do, but not actually do it. You know? um, and I think maybe that's the problem. It's, I mean, sometimes with screen printing, I, I waste an entire day doing something that doesn't really lead anywhere. Um, but you know, it's like you learn probably learn something. Uh, sure, making a horrible mess of ink. Cool. Yeah, thanks for your time today. Yeah, yeah thanks so yeah. much, Carlos. Thank you for the questions. From Rivers Barden Architects, this has been Spork in the Road. For more about Carlos and to view many of his prints, visit carlospozo.com and check out his music at racewaysound.com. A special thanks to our interviewers extraordinaire Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden, special guest Carlos Pozo, and of course everyone out there who has continued to listen and share in these conversations. This episode was written, produced, edited, narrated, and music by Scott Barden. For more information on Rivers Barden Architects, visit riversbarden.com.